Welcome to the Charlatans Podcast. There have been many things that have changed as we've approached our 30s. One of the most notable changes are our friendships. Our support systems look very different in our adulthood. From navigating the changes that come with long-term friendships to the struggle of developing new ones, how do we find balance in our adult relationships? And what does it mean to be a good friend when life constantly throws a thousand and one things at you each day? Thank you to Seller Studio 39 for producing this episode. kids and i'll have or are we cool cats and kittens sorry tiger king anybody <laughs> it's too late like 16 months is that past. still a thing i mean I by know. the time this, by the time this comes out you can't wash like, that out of your brain what was tiger king and when we're recording this it was only like two months ago but it feels three years ago fucking yeah, carol baskin <laughs> <laughs> i had to Anyway, cool cats and kittens. We are so cool. Each of us have our own Instagram and we have like a group message going. And today, Elise sent us this meme that pretty much sums up what we're talking about today. So like the real cool cat and kitten here, I'm going to read you a meme. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, So it's posted by Almost 30 Podcasts. You should definitely make sure you give them a listen. Non-spawn. But it says... (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell it's been a rough day, guys? We are just all giggles over here. I'm going to... Like, I already know in the show notes when we're like, edit out Madeline here. Delete Madeline's audio Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, so it says, friendships in high school... If we don't see each other every day, you are a stranger to me. Friendships out of school. If I see you once a year for two consecutive years in a row, I would literally die for you. So when it came to friends in high school, did you have that sort of relationship, I suppose, where like you had to do right by your friends at all times or else it was like World War Three? 100%. And I feel like I was always caught in the middle of those friendships. Like, no offense out there to people who <laughs> are still in my life. But, yeah, I, I was mentioning to you guys before we started recording, but I personally tend to attract these intense, like, all-or-nothing friendships. And those, while they're amazing, and that's, that's honestly the kind of friendship I prefer, like, I'm not really good with the casual friendships or acquaintances, Um they, they expect a lot from you, the friendship, that like really close intensity. And especially in high school when I know we've mentioned in previous podcasts how like socially driven your life is at that time. H- having those kind of intense relationships really like packs a lot of that more on you as a person. So I definitely felt that. I would say I did too. Um, and I had a really hard time leaving that mentality when I went off to college because all of these people I found super close to me, I expected to keep having that closeness when I was thrown into a new environment. Um, And it can't be that way. You start morphing into an adult and your friends are exploring new things without you. Um, But it 
it was really challenging to keep up those friendships and to lower or like not lower, but like just change your expectations of what's realistic. And for me, I'm such a private person. It came to be really difficult to keep up those relationships because I find it so hard to share what's going on if that person isn't immediately in the situation with me. Alyssa is definitely one of those people, if I may, where it's like still waters run deep, very deep, very, 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 very deep for Alyssa. Like she, it, it has taken me, I don't know, 36 years of friendship with her yes. to now get to the point. Accurate. Where can, 36 where years. Can, where we can literally like, I can just tell her something and she might reciprocate in that same death. But if not, she will absolutely receive it. And it's one of those things where I'm like honored anytime she shares something with me because that's how fiercely loyal and fiercely private she is. So I can only imagine what you, Elise, and Alyssa have together since high school. Like, gosh, that's got to be immovable how deep your roots are. Like, that's But I have to say, Elise, we can cut this if we don't want to say this. I stayed at our state university in Illinois, and Elise went off to college in Arkansas. And in high school, we were, like, joined at the hip. We used to call each other on the phone. Do you remember this? I know you remember this. And literally, like, just have the phone next to us while we were reading. We Mm -hmm. wouldn't even be talking to each other. But, like, we would leave school, get home, and just have the phone (laughs) next to each other. Well, I remember at one point, I, like, this is how, like, looking back, I'm like, Alyssa, were we codependent? I would, like, get so mad. Because, okay, (laughs) context for people who are, like, younger than 25. Back in the day, you were, like, charged per text so you had to put this like long paragraph of a text otherwise you know it's not like today where you can just like send a sentence and send it and blah 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 150 characters or less per text yep so i would like write out my life story to Alyssa, and then she'd literally respond okay and i'm like what the hell and that's a full 10 cents right there my friend for that letter k yeah Alyssa's like impact but but that's (laughs) You know, that's like how we were. It was like we, I think, somehow got into this groove of like, tell me every thought in your mind at all times. And like, I loved that. But that was such a hard transition when we graduated high school. And that was just no longer it. took. I think it took us a while to realize that that just wasn't a good expectation to have of each other anymore. And we didn't really it took it was like problem solving, like for months, even years afterwards. Like, what is this new I would rhythm definitely we're falling into? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, now as we hit our 30s, it's like a whole new rhythm we're trying to hit mm-hmm. of how do you maintain friendships when you've got a thousand different aspects to your life between careers and homes and relationships and children and your own personal time. It's like, you've got 10,000 things going on. How do you sacrifice that time and that mentality to keep those rewarding, rich relationships, not just the slight acquaintances you might have? I have to be honest that I, I've had really deep friendships since high school, since junior high, since college, now with work friends, um, as an adult, but I did not have the same experience that you guys had in high school or junior high where you were attached to the hip at all times. 
I had a lot of really good friends during certain sections of my life, but I found I couldn't keep the friendships that demanded the you are our only and no new friend sort of mentality. Because one, that's a safe mentality to have when you're that age. And there's that's not a criticism. That's just something that happens. Um, but I, I found that I enjoyed talking to so many different people so much. And I know I've mentioned this before, but I didn't really have the one best friend through all of high school or junior high. I had a, a good series of good friends that are still my good friends to this day. Um, and what I love is that my be- my favorite re- example of this is my college roommates, which I still call my roommates, <laughs> because we have the type of long-lasting friendship where if we don't talk for months, a year, we could call any one of our roommates and just have a three-hour conversation like nothing happened. And that is my favorite type of friendship where you will check in on people, you will still, you know that that person will be there for you. If something happens and you need them, they will be there. And there's no other expectation. You do not have to be there on the daily, even though it's really rewarding to have someone on the daily. But I have so many friends around me in certain ways that people that are further away and I'm not able to have like the in-person relationship with, it's totally one of those things where like, hey, you up for our phone call on Saturday? Might take four hours. And if it's that one time that you have to dig out, and even while you're multitasking, doing something else, if you're babysitting or watching your kids or cooking, whatever it is, and it's just kind of like you guys just having the phone next to you while you read. That's kind of how it feels for me, too. It's just mm-hmm. so funny because you guys had that sort of, you have to make sure you tell each other where you're going before a class in order to not be on someone's bad side. I just didn't have that. And I find that so fascinating because now we're all really good friends. But I think you guys know that about me, too. It's like, if you if you need me, I'll be there. If you talk to me, I'll get back to you right quick. But, I mean, if you don't talk to me for a couple months, fine. That's okay. I get it. Yeah. Life happens. Madeline, you're you're very much one of those friendships where you, you still feel that intensity even though you haven't, like, sp- like we haven't spoken to you maybe in several days. And mm-hmm. it's... I love navigating personalities in relationships. And I think that's a lot of what dictates, I mean, obviously what dictates the level of intensity and like what people are willing to give and not give in a relationship, friendship specifically. But it's good to have those people who the the pressure is completely off. And even Mm -hmm. though I haven't heard from you in a week, I kind of know why, or I kind of am like just aware of, it's not personal. Per- exactly. It's not personal. I know it's who they life. are as people. And you don't necessarily feel that distance. No. But. No, because I don't have an expectation on my friends either. I mm-hmm. don't feel like, um, like my very dear best friends, and we both have our own like trifecta of friends that have been our core friends since the beginning of time, it feels like. But like even my my very best friends, like we don't talk every day. I'm sure they'd love it if I talked more every day, but we don't have to. And just having that sort of relaxed relationship where like the love will never be different. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that person does not feel any different about you. And that's just... I don't know. That's just my favorite type of friendship. But I, I always welcome someone who really wants to be like super close a lot. As long as they know that if I have a moment of distance, it means nothing regarding our friendship. Because I'm very transparent mm-hmm. too, I think. But I don't know. So I have a lot of really good friends. But it's not like 
that means I talk to people every day. Mm-hmm. I think that's very odd now that I say it out loud, <laughs> especially as an adult. Like, I feel like the three of us have really good friends. And I know a lot of people just in general that couldn't say that. And that seems to be more typical nowadays. But I don't know if my perception is skewed. I think that's where our personalities and our insecurities, once you hit a certain age in life, kind of get in the way of maintaining and creating friendships. So, I mean, I can say now I don't need someone to text me every single day. I don't need this constant communication, but that's because I've had to like sit down, think about my personality, be okay with that, realize it's not a big deal. Um, through experiences I've had with different friends who needed to confront me. Um, But I also think like maintaining friendships at this age is just really difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it can't always just be a text here or there. It needs to be the phone calls. And I'm really bad at phone calls. I hate phone calls. It needs Mm -hmm. to be, I will carve out that two, three hours for you at a coffee shop because to keep, friendships you have to put value and time into friendships too and I feel like as adults we have so many things we put values on it's hard to carve out the time for everything but I like what you're saying about you know the coffee shop dates with your I just said that so Chicago coffee Coffee shop shop. dates (laughs) I just realized with a side of Boston almost coffee shop dates I don't even know what I'm starting to sound like. It's like the Wisconsin's trying to take over and there's a battle in my vocal cords. <laughs> Just submit. Good thing I'm going back into the city soon. Just but submit. Anyway, at the coffee shop dates. Um, I, I love that because I remember when you start to have those in, um, you know, in high school when you start to be able to be more mobile and your parents don't need to drop you off. You don't need to take public transit or you have to have an extracurricular. There's something so natural about that. And I feel like maintaining from when I was a kid to now having like a neutral place where you could just settle into an environment where it brings up memories of having a friendship with someone. Like if I'm, let's say I go to a Denny's and I just feel really, and I go to the Denny's with that friend that was in theater with me after shows. And then we go back to a Denny's. Like you just settle back in, you know, it's part of the environment that helps that. And when you're on a phone, you know, it's not like good old 10 cents a text. And texts nowadays are just n- more normal communication, but there's so much more personality with a phone call and that's uncomfortable for us. So I'd much rather spend that time in person with someone because it also brings back memories of pastimes with that person. And if you can carve out that time as an adult, like that's gold. And then I think the other person f- feels that more too because you all know what's at stake. Indeed. It's it's like that friendship muscle memory that helps you like rekindle that connection that you felt at the beginning of your relationship as it changes. Like we're we're still the same not the same people but we're we're evolving into different people but our friendship is still there's a main line there. I feel like sometimes when you start hanging out with friends you almost realize like what a medicine that is and it becomes easier the more you do it. I think one of the things during this entire pandemic that I'm suffering with is that Joseph and I are very used to having a lot of people in our house and friends over all the time. And now it feels like, I don't know, almost like withdrawal from it. I'm used to seeing people. I'm used to having people over. 
And while I hope that something positive that comes from the pandemic, I also think that some of us are nervous to plan the coffee date. We're nervous to go talk to the neighbor next door. We're nervous to reach out to the friend we miss but haven't talked to in a while. But as soon as you do, it's it's medicinal, basically. To me, it's medicinal. Is that you feel better, Absolutely. the friendship feels better, that person undoubtedly feels better, and it gets so much easier to keep doing it that you're going to crave it and want it, too. Yeah, the, the pandemic has really created that drought in my heart as well. That's the best way I can think. It just feels, I just feel so lacking in quality communication. I mean, I'm talking to you guys a lot. I'm talking to a lot of people all the time, but there's just something so like, I want to say carnal. Like it's just, you crave to be around people. Well, you need to see people's faces. Like, Mm -hmm. and now with masks, you couldn't. (laughs) Sure. But like when COVID, when the quarantine started, it was, it was a huge, like, I'm not even that social of a person. Like, Nothing makes me happier than having like something come up and I have to miss a plan. You know, like, honestly, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I will find every excuse in the book. I am a homebody. Alyssa and I are dying right now. <laughs> but like not having that option is really awful. And so I found myself turning to like apps like Marco Polo. So where I could like continue that conversation of friendship, but see their face and their voice too. And I cannot tell you how healthy that was for my like mental health at the beginning of all of this. Cause like, I can't see you in person. It's, it's not safe to be around people, but I can, I can still have somewhat of that face to face. And it's not like you're not tied to your phone, like on FaceTime or something. Like I'm not good with phone calls either. So you can respond in your own time, but still see that person's face and hear their voice. And that's a natural, like, well, that's how that app is set up too. You know, like if it's text, it's, it's more direct. Mm-hmm. But Marco Polo, it's meant to be conversational. No, it's fun. Yeah. Yes, when you need to be. And again, I think that's just a more natural way of settling into adult friendships is that I will get to you when I can get to you and I have not forgotten you. Or if I have forgotten you, it's not personal. <laughs> like life is just something that happens. And like, and we're talking about existing friendships. But then I'm thinking like, especially in this time, the new friendships that we made before the pandemic or at this weird, odd age where some people have kids, some people don't, some people are married, some people aren't, some people are caregivers for their parents, some people are not. Like, it's such a complex time of life. What do we do to even create new friendships if we know we don't have those longstanding ones or they've drifted apart or it's just not the same? It's too hard to pick it up. Like, what do we do to create those friendships? That's a great question. Um, But, well, not but. That's a great question. I honestly, like outside of the workplace, I have found Instagram to be the place that I'm making new friendships. Classically. Honestly. (laughs) Like, you, I mean, Alyssa and I are just nodding. Yeah, like, yeah. Am, am I the only one on this podcast girl. who like has Instagram friends? No, get it, like, girl. I have, I have like people that That's I know who I've never met in real life, but like I talk to them every day. Like I, I react to their stories. I send them messages, vice versa. It's like, is that a thing? That's really cute. No, that's adorable. Honestly. I crave that relationship. And I'm sure it's probably the same with you, Elise. Instagram is a very creative outlet. And that's probably a piece of your brain where people are matching. Mm. 
Whereas like where I work, it's a piece of myself where those people like totally understand like a passion and piece of me that I don't even know how to explain. Um, but sometimes with coworker relationships, you're like, can this, does it stay here? Can we go out and have a drink? Do we, do I introduce you to my other friends? Like I feel like as an adult, my friendships tend to have like boundaries. These are my high school friends. These are my coworker friends. These are my husband's friends. And they don't all necessarily intermix with each other. There's some people that really like their friend group separate. Really separate. And that's, I think, is not just an age thing. I just know people that are like, yeah, that's one of my work friends. And I know I'll never meet them, <laughs> you know, like, and, and except for, let's say there's a wedding or, you know, a baby shower or something. That's the one time you see it. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you have to have a common ground and some people only want to relate to people during the process of relating on that common ground and that's it. Yeah. And it's just, I think there's anxiety too between like you guys know me in a certain way and my coworkers know me in a certain way and like longtime family friend people know me in a certain way. So it's like this, if you ever intermixed, would you get the full Alyssa? And would it be mm. scary as hell? I got to the point, I think very recently, where I just started not giving a shit. And I'm like, I just, I'm exhausted trying to remember who I am. Of course, I'm going to be a professional in a professional environment. But if I become close to someone in my professional environment, I'm still going to be Madeline. And I, and I want that to not be a thing I'm concerned about if there is an event where everybody's around or a barbecue or something. Remember what a barbecue is? <laughs> oh, my God. No. I just made myself really sad. Um, but, like, I don't want to be seen as a different person in certain I, – I, I'm fine with people learning, not knowing certain parts of me in certain situations because it never came up naturally. But I don't want to ever curb a part of myself because I don't think it's appropriate for that environment because it's another safeguard. But again, I'm a very, very different person than what Alyssa is and like who Elise is. And I'm just thinking how, especially in our age group, it's such a normal thing to think, okay, no more new friends because new friends are too hard. We're all adults. We know the full implications when something goes south and it'll hurt that much more. And we're not all making the same mistakes all at the same time. And it's so much harder to establish a bond and being willing to know that they will mess up in a friendship because it's so much more painful as an adult, I think, because it's not like a constant back and forth where you're learning social standing in high school or something. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I, I agree with what you're saying and I'm reflecting on how that's always been so hard for me, um, maintaining that individuality inside of a friendship because I'm, I'm just naturally the kind of person who ebbs and flows with the situation that I'm in and the people that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And I've, I think I had always approached friendships of like, who does this person need me to be? Instead of really sitting back to ask like, is this worth my time? Is this possible? Mm. And I'm learning like adulthood has forced me to really reflect and I'm learning how to be a good friend. And that's, that's been an interesting journey as well. How you think like 
okay, my friendship is tracking. Like this is our groove. We've got it now. And then suddenly you're like, wait, this isn't, this doesn't feel comfortable anymore. This doesn't feel safe anymore. Or this feels like work. What happened? And then being willing to go back. That's a big thing. Yeah. Does it feel like yes. work? And like bad work. That's when you know, like at some point our communication got either skewed or be- started ceasing to be genuine and being willing to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, what happened? And being willing to accept criticism. Mm-hmm. I find that really hard. Uh, accepting criticism is a really really challenging it's thing so for me hard um and in friendships if you're not willing to put that time in you also are probably not willing to accept the criticism of how you need to be better mm-hmm. and as an adult sometimes when I get that criticism part of me is just like I'm too drained to fix this I've already got a relationship with my husband and my kids and I'm putting all of this into my students and my work. I can't take your criticism and try to fix this too. Like I'm already at level 10,000 right now. Max capacity, friend. Right. Not that it doesn't need to be said, but I think like for me, when I hear that criticism, it's immediately like, crap, I'm a failure Mm -hmm. again. Crap, I've messed up. It's not yep. like, hey, this friendship means a lot, but I need some things to kind of tweak to make each other both happier. I just immediately take it as I've messed up and I don't have... It's a fear response instantly. Yeah. Like, how how can I fix this too? Oh my gosh, another thing mm-hmm. on my plate, another thing I can't manage well. Right. And so it's better just to like leave it off to the side because here are all these other things I value and I have to get done, even though that criticism could be completely life-changing. It could be a criticism yeah. that's also not even criticism. I hate constructive criticism. It could be something I need to hear to fix other things in my life. Honestly, it could just be a concern that a friend has. Mm-hmm. True. A concern. And we feel it as a criticism because it's like I I'm because we know I it's thought truth. I was supposed to be who I am. That or I thought I was adult and I am who I am now and can I even fix this? Is it too late? What does that look like now? Because it's that's not just so- like don't talk behind my back when that person is talking behind my back because you dated my ex-boyfriend three boyfriends ago in high school. You know, it's different. It's, it's fundamental. It's more of I'm having a distinct issue and what you said has hurt me or your lack of interest has hurt, it, hurt me. And it, sometimes it's not a back and forth conversation. It's just a you have done something and we need uh, to address it. But it's like handling things like an adult honestly, and doing it in the right way is just so tiring. When all you want to do is just have a layback, relaxed escape in a friendship in the midst of everything else, which is what friendship can be. Just to have to have work on it is, it's a hard realization. Differentiating between when something needs to be fixed and when something needs to be let go. That's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and that's mm-hmm. completely viable option. Mm-hmm. It's okay to let go of friendships. It's okay to let go of aspects of your friendship. But I'm like, personally, I'm learning that like just 100% across the board, letting go and cutting that off is not necessarily wisdom. And you're, you're actually like robbing yourself of a, of a really important learning experience that inevitably, like you said, I think Alyssa is going to affect every relationship in your life. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no natural deconstruction of a relationship has ever happened cold turkey unless it was purely and truly toxic. Right. And that my answer on that might change. And again, that's a whole big scary thing about doing this podcast. But I feel like there has to be some sort of wistful conclusion. And I remember there's a time where someone really deeply, truly hurt me. And for some reason, I, I don't know how, I was able to call this person and explain to them why I will no longer be their friend. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but I felt such peace after doing that and that I wasn't just like giving pure cold shoulder and then I, I knew that that person could not talk smack about me because I handled things the best way I knew how and did it with much respect as I could still garner for the past relationship we had had, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And letting go as an adult of a friendship means you're also letting go possibly of decades of history. And is that worth – are you just two different people now? Are you – is this something we should work on and just become closer because we're different? Like what do we do at that point? But I think it's really true, Elise, that sometimes it's okay to just let go. It's truly okay. But then how do you get more friends? <laughs> Like, that's a whole other thing, too. It's like, who am I going to have to go to for this if that person is gone? Unless it's truly toxic, mm-hmm. in which case it will always be a benefit to let that go. It's a Friendships are a real balancing act um, between what's toxic and what you need to kind of stick out with. And as we're talking, and I'm sure as those of you who are listening, you're thinking of friendships you have. Because I can tell you right now, like, I am thinking through all these friendships I've had throughout the years. It's like a Rolodex. Right. I'm reminding from the office when Dwight's trying to read off, like, the small details about people on the Rolodex of Michael's. Oh, my gosh. Is trying to help make sales. Yes. And how is your gay son? And he just, like, is reading off. And he's like, orange means do not mention. Or whatever. Well, green. Like, that's how I feel adult friendships is. At least no, go. I know I'm you have it accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like all these things that you just have to constantly remember about friendships and like, do I take that card out? What do I not mention? What do I do? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Alyssa, go ahead. I just, I, I'm no, thinking and, about all those friends that way. Yeah. And I'm sure we're all thinking about friends and friendships we've had where like, there are some that didn't have to like end where like this is toxic. Sometimes it was just like, this is the season. I think about friends I had in college where if I didn't have them, like I would not be who I am right now. Absolutely. But like that time is also over or friends I had in high school where like, I totally value those experiences and those memories, but that time is over and we just drifted apart or former jobs or whatever. But I also find myself being very much, oh, you did this to me. We're kind of done now. And in retrospect, if I hear back from that person, I have had to really learn the lesson the hard way of go walk in that person's shoes. And I know I have had friends um, who have gone through difficult things. And because of those things, they couldn't be as present for me. And so you you think they're not being there for you. You write them off. This happened, but really something else was going on in their life. So I think like in most cases, we also have to always have a heart where like I, you'd be open to that person coming back in. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking That's just of like, 
all these things we experience in life that you don't really think about. I'm thinking about the friends who are struggling with infertility. They might not be talking to you about it, but that's a thing. I'm thinking about the friends who are suffering from chronic pain or the loss of a parent or the loss of a job or you're struggling with your kid at home or something. And there are all these things that are very sensitive that people don't want to talk about and share. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean they're trying to be a bad friend to you. It just means in that moment, as much as it hurts us on the other end, you want that person back. They have something bigger going on. And I don't know, that's been something I've had to really kind of take a step back, you know, as a, a teacher and someone who like, has to kind of watch the psychology of people. You try to like pick up all these things in your past and this is what makes a person. But I have found you can't always know everything. And I always assume I know everything about someone's past and I can predict what they're going to like think and act and how they should be treating me. Mm -hmm. And that's not Mm -hmm. the case. And sometimes there needs to be a distance and a cutoff, but it needs to be done in love um, and appreciation for the moments you did have. And sometimes there needs to be a break and sometimes there just needs to be a time where like you're the person where like you just need to be there for them. Yep. And that's hard as an adult because we don't feel like we have anything else left to give to people. Yeah. I mean, you have to just go into friendships. I'm learning now and talking generally, but I, I feel like you just have to start going into friendships with full expectation that things are constantly going to be in flux now. It's constantly going to be somewhat seasonal, but it's not just with benchmarks like high school, college. It's right now I have kids that are young. Right now I have kids that are graduating high school. Right now I have to take care of my mom She's and, and she's in hospice. You know, like it's something traumatic. And when you think about those friends too that suddenly just drop off the radar, Alyssa, I really love the, your your thoughtfulness on that because it's you start thinking about how when you're in that person's brain and they're experiencing such a difficult thing, it is downright dangerous for them to be more emotionally open to someone else because then they're not able to, con- to concentrate and get through the moment mm-hmm. at hand. Like to take, it's just like how you want to juggle friendship on your plate normally. How can they juggle that on their plate then? Like it's, it's dangerous for, in some circumstances and just dangerous and feeling emotionally fragile. And sometimes you're just not ready for that. And if you have a friend that's pushy, like, why aren't you? Why aren't you? You're not talking to me as much. You're not doing this as much. Like that is on top of everything else. Talk about stress and you don't need that person in your life. So you're going to cut them out real quick. You know, and, and uh, it, it's, it's such a true sign of maturity when you can finally get to point and go, Oh, that's why. <laughs> like, I was a jerk. <laughs> like, wh- how do I now, how, what do I do to like, make this better for you? And I, I think adult friendship means being introspective, but also being really humble for when you screw up so you don't have mm-hmm. to wait for the criticism to come mm-hmm. to you, right? Be like, look, I was an ass. <laughs> I had a hard day. And I know you're going through something worse and it's my fault and just saying it straight out. It's that the whole idea of no new friends because you can't be that blunt with them either. They, they see your first foot forward and they think that's who you are. It's just dangerous to think that you have to do it in constant types of flux. And as a friend, yeah, you, and as we're sorry, go ahead. No, please Alyssa. keep going. Okay. Keep going. 
Um, let's see. Sorry, gotta gather my, gather my thought again. And and as a friend, you have to you have to tap into your own own empathy and not assume that you know what's going on in that person's life or how they're thinking or perceiving you as well. Like there are friendships that I have where I've per, I've very much have projected my own insecurities or things that I'm dealing with in my life onto a situation. And I assume that I know why this person's treating me Stop that way. Stop talking about me, Elise. No. Stop talking about me. <laughs> it's like, but, but I'm, I mean, I'm glad that that's resonating because I always like, sometimes you just feel so alone in that of like, am I the only one in this relationship who feels this, that it's just like, you just feel like it's your fault because you're unfortunately like your insecurities get in the way and you're just like unsure of what to do with that. Or the verse, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Mm -hmm. It's your fault. And that's a complete. And sometimes that can be rooted from the same feeling, but two different reactions. Totally and completely. And I'm so quick to assign like blame to myself, but not always in the right ways. So like my own perception of my own failure actually blinds me of where I actually need to be doing the work in the relationship. And that's, that's where I am in my thirties with friendship, with these long-term friendships. Um, you know, how do I carry this into the rest of my adulthood? Because I, I want these friendships to be in my life for the next, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. I'm starting to think now, too, about, like, in my Rolodex of memories, not only friends, but um, my parents' friendships and who was around me as a kid growing up from what age to this age and for what reason and which ones are still there now, if any of them. Um, And what I would want for my nieces and nephews to see or who's, which one of my friend's kids do I want to be there for as like the honorary aunt because you just want to be involved in your friend's life or even just like, a friend of the family that is by just at like major family functions. Do who do I want to be and how present do I want to be in their lives to where I'm in those photos, you know, and you're flipping back another 50 years from now showing the next generation. Oh, that is that person. She was my friend back in the day. Or do I want them to say, Oh, you know her. That's what she looked like Mm -hmm. then. You know, like there's that different sort of mind meld. And can you tell I've been looking through family photos lately? (laughs) I think that's a good point to make, Madeline, about how we people, like the legacy we want to leave about our friendships. And now Uh, you put it so much more eloquently. (laughs) That's exactly what I was trying to say. (laughs) But it's something, it's something Joseph and I talk a lot about. In our friendships, we very closely pair with hospitality. We want our children to be raised in a home where like they know their friends can come over and hang out because we have our friends and family come over and hang out and that you offer drinks and you offer food and you offer love and anyone is welcome. And we want our children to see that through our actions. But with that, as we're all talking, I can't help but thinking about at least the United States cultural aspect and what culture dictates is what is normal for friendships. And at least I feel we live in such a culture that's me, 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 that we Mm -hmm. also impose that on our friendships. Well, if you are not serving and giving to me, I'm done with you because it's just so integrated. And as I'm thinking about, 
I don't know. We can cut this out. We can see how deep this goes. I just really feel like, especially right now in the summer of 2020, and there is this huge uprise in the Black Lives Matter movement. How many Mm -hmm. of us have black friends or even other friends of color and they need us to culturally speak out. They need us to step out of our comfort zone. Like you can't just have a friendship where you have a good time, but you know that other person is like hurting and suffering. Mm -hmm. And we're speaking as three white women for reference to like, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to like get these two things to tie together. I just keep thinking about like culturally in the United States, it's such a, I want everything. Everything has to about me. What are you doing? My country, my friendships, my job, my family to do for me without me giving to you. And now we have this giant movement, which is Mm -hmm. basically a movement of relationships and friendships who are sick of seeing their friends and family treated a certain way. And consider a whole person Mm -hmm. rather than a situation you have one side on or only your side on or you're refusing to see further. Like, there are whole people at stake, whether it's in your friendships or whole races. Like, you have no right to only think of someone one-sided. You're the one in the fault. You're the one in the wrong. And you are going to be the one ultimately on the fool side and missing out. And I straight up. I think I think also we're realizing again, like white people are realizing that our black friends and our friends that are people of color, like they need more than just our friendship. You know, they need us to mm-hmm. act. They need us to support in ways that are political, that are social, that are economic. And realizing the scope and breadth of that has been, I think the the change that we're seeing. Like I I I need more than your like oh, I love you, you're my best friend, or you're close, and, you know, taking that to the next level. This is the deep friendship. Yeah. This is the deep friendship. I, you need to be straight up there for them in more ways, just being like, well, I have black friends. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not showing no, up. I, you have to be able to take everything. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Alyssa. You have to take about everything we have just said in this episode. You have to be willing to handle the criticism. You have to be able Mm -hmm. to be there when that person can't be present for you. You have to be willing to make the time for the coffee shop dates to listen to struggles. And this could be, it doesn't just have to be your black friends. It could be your Latino friends who are struggling with the stereotypes. It could be your Native American friends. It could be your Asian friends. It could be other white friends who are like struggling with whatever. It just, this Band so much deeper than just this is my friend from high school. Like I know mm-hmm. that's how we started this episode, but friendships empower so many aspects of your life. And if you, as adults, we have to learn to put the time and the effort and the thought into them because honestly, like I really feel they make us a more full and better person. The more vulnerable, the more time you spend, the more, scary it feels usually brings out the more it brings out the richest reward Mm -hmm. and whether that's in deep hurt that I feel I learned a really good lesson from later in life and I did not realize how much I needed that lesson or is it a straight up payoff where someone's like oh my gosh I didn't know and gives you like a verbal hug you know like 
you need to be accepting of people in their whole selves, in their flawed selves, in their hurt selves, their ostracized selves, whether by them or by a whole group of people. You need to be there for people. And again, we're fully acknowledging how difficult that is as adults and as parents and aunts and uncles and working 16 jobs, you know, like that we, we, we live that life and we know that life, but your friends are what make life worth it. And sometimes friends are your only family. And when you think about those friends where, you know, their friends are their only family, have you been there for mm-hmm. them? Have you been their family? as much as you can be. And the number one way to clear that up is communication. If you cannot be there for a four-hour coffee date, communicate. You know, that's the only thing I've learned is that I, when I, I've gone through some really difficult times and I realized the time I hurt my friends the most was not when they were reaching out to me. It was just when I didn't communicate properly back as to why I couldn't hang out. Same. Not to the fact I couldn't hang out, just I didn't talk to them why I couldn't. At least reach out and say, I'm thinking of you. Here's a meme, which is my love language. So, yeah. They and you, both know that very well. <laughs> you can't be too hard on yourself when you mess up. And I think mm-hmm. that's the fear for a lot of us is we're afraid of someone saying, You done messed up. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to hear it and it's okay. It is okay to mess up in a friendship. It's okay to be the bad friend. What's important, and I know it sounds like we're preaching right now, but like we're only saying this because as I'm looking at these girls through Google Meets, like I am thinking about all the times we've had to share like so much. I I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm looking at them and thinking about all the times we've had to share the times we've messed up. And we've screwed up a friendship and it hurts to screw it up, but it hurts more not to try or to let it go or to fix it or to grow from it. You can't just let it fester like a nasty little wound. And that, that vulnerability that you're discussing, it takes a, it's a risk essentially. It's a risk of major risk. Am I, am I going to receive judgment for what I'm about to say? If I do receive judgment, is it, is it warranted? Like, I mean, all of the thoughts that like run through your mind when, when that vulnerability is necessary is very hard. But when we're not willing, when you're, when you're not willing to, to be vulnerable and take those risks, that's when your friendship begins to become stagnant and die off. Go ahead, Madeline. And, and is that honesty you know, is the truth of the situation scarier than the actual, like, ignoring Mm. the truth? And I've chosen both routes and not the best route so often to where I didn't know whether something was going to make it or not, but I know I wasn't honest. And once I became honest, I know I had a conclusion. And I have found that that moment where I open up about the things that maybe I've been like not honest about or um, felt that I couldn't reveal in my relationships ended up being 
the best thing I could have done in that situation because ultimately I don't like it's it's funny how you were saying that your friends become your family Madeline because really that is the case and when you're going through a really difficult or like traumatic life experience it's it's crazy how your friends really are part of that resolution not that they fix it for you but in that talking through things you begin to see your own you're either like oh god I didn't realize that about some of my past actions and in talking through that I'm seeing that now and your friends coming at it from an outside viewpoint and they can feed into the confusion or like hurt that you're experiencing and give you a clear perspective. And that's such a gift. You know, one of my other favorite memes, tell us it's a, it's kind of old now, but something to the fact of, wow, this is quality content right here where I'm about to explain an old meme incorrectly. So Join hold on to your hats, people. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> To the charlatans. Um, to the effect of, you know, the real miracle Jesus did was maintaining adult friendships, a whole 12, 12. of them. Yeah. While he was 33 years old. You know, <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> How is that for quality content? Non-spawn. Non-spawn Jesus? Do you want to... <laughs> you know it. So here's our takeaway question. And it's an attempt at a question because truly it could be a long form answer, five paragraph essay, double spaced, Times New Roman, 12 point font, or a yes or no. Do you have any long term friendships or that you that you couldn't live without? Or has it been more of your recent friendships that have meant the most to you? Um, is it that history or is that someone met you in the here and now? Let us know how your friendships have kind of developed in your life that way um because we're interested to know because we honestly we feel like the worst friends and the best friends all the time and it's just nice to know that there's other people out there that are struggling and being good friends because if you're if you're really insecure about it that means you're trying your Very hardest true. <laughs> does that make sense all three of us are yeah. nodding like yes um and elise how can they let us know, either in five-paragraph essay, double-spaced, Times New Roman, 12-point font, or yes or no answer only. How can they contact us? You you can share all your thoughts with us on Instagram at charlatanspod. Find us on Facebook or the Charlatans Podcast or email us at charlatanspod at gmail.com. I also want to mention we do have a Twitter account. However, we are not Twitter people so much. If you want us to become Twitter people... Let us know, as well as we really, really, really would appreciate your support on Apple Podcasts. And if you rate and review, that means so much to us because as a small podcast that has no previous content creating background, we are really from the ground up here. And every little comment that you have really means a lot to us. I also want to say... Thank you so much for your love and support so far. We are a handful of podcasts in um, in terms of this big world, and we're just so thankful for every little like or comment or reaction because it literally makes a whole day. It's kind of ridiculous. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you in the next episode.